Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Dun 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 Yay, We've got me here. And we have special guest, Drew here. Hello. Hey. It's Drew. Hello. It's Drew of Superboy fame. Yeah, we, we have like a couple of listeners, like at least four. That's a really good amount of listeners. Yeah, no, we'll totally get into it more. But um, just in case there's some crossover going on, since, you know, I like plugged Animorphs once or twice on your podcast. We have now brought in Drew of Cadmus to Crisis to our podcast. So if anybody's here for Drew, welcome, and I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kind of put off because I'm used to your podcast starting with Cassie saying hello. Yeah, yeah, that's normally Casey kills it. Like I was waiting for that as the the Casey. Sorry, (laughs) there is a Cassie here. I'm sorry. Well, I am going to mispronounce things. Like, um, I've been saying the names of things in my head. Uh, so if you mm-hmm. listen to the other podcast, you know that I uh, I read funny. So names are going to be a little, like, the alien races. Um, I only know how to say them because you've said them on this podcast. Ha <laughs> ha. I mean, it is Hork-Bajor. Is that correct? Yep, Is that, is that what we're going with? Okay, very good. That's. I think that's pretty well accepted. I think generally taxon as well accepted then again like i thought it was our sith for decades until like we had stephanie on and she's like if you read the word it's actually aris and it like blew my fucking mind so like don't ever listen to anything i say <laughs> well and the thing is is that like, probably the first time you read these books like your reading level wasn't probably at the same level it is right now but oh, you God, no. probably I was, like trained like, your mind to see those words as certain things yeah for sure for sure it's like in harry potter with, with Hermione's name, I pronounced it Hermione uh, until they actually put same. the pronunciation in the context of the book. So, whatever. I remember distinctly in first grade we had like we had an English book that like you had to like read short stories out of, and they weren't like very like they weren't novels or anything. But um, I remember I read a chapter ahead and I didn't know the vocabulary for the word lizard. I had no idea. <laughs> How did you pronounce it? Uh, I can't even remember, but I remember, like, the next day being like, oh, they're talking about a lizard. That makes a lot more sense. You know what? The English language is... Whoa! Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. That is the appropriate way to feel about the English language, which is bullshit. (laughs) And possibly this book. Because, like, Alex, you got me into the Animorphs. Like, I had never uh, read one of them. And I do have to, like, kind of admit firsthand, like, I kind of dropped off a little bit after, like the android so i had to do like a lot of catch up mm-hmm. 
so some of that was like crypt notes off of Wikipedia to get up to speed for this book. But then like when I read this book, I was like, yeah. I didn't need to do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you made me do all this homework to sit here and record with you assholes today. <laughs> like you could have just told me that Tobias can morph again and I'd have been fine for this book. Hmm. That is kind of the biggest mm, like plot related yeah. thing that's happened, right? And then everyone um, else just goes through various stages yeah. of angst. Right. It was it was more for like I legitimately yeah, that's that's completely fair. You, I could have just told you that and you would have been caught up. It's just there's a lot of like nuanced stuff that goes on between the characters that I get really into, but like for this book, all of that is kind of put on pause. So well, I would yeah. say it's that, and then, like, if you can reference the three other times, I think, that they've time-traveled, or sort of time-traveled, like, that kind of, like, gets you mm -hmm. into the laws of time travel, so that, like, in the second half of the book, you can get violently mad. <laughs> and, and how <laughs> weird and arbitrary the rules oh, are. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess there was, like, 65 million years in between Stegosaurus and T-Rex, yeah. So, like, I think that they're just kind of like, this is the idea of the dinosaur time. I don't think it's, like, based on any science. I let go of that really quick. And, like, so the other thing is that was such a lazy point in this book. The very last oh paragraph God. of this yes. book. It, should I bring it up now or should I wait? <laughs> I think that's some great foreshadowing. We'll just we'll just get into the book and we'll get to it. Oh man. Um anyways, before we go, I know Drew, you told us a little bit about kind of how you got into Animorphs, which was I forced you into it. But um did you have anything else that you wanted to add about Animorphs or your feelings on it before we start reading this book? Um, like for a kid's book? Like I was kinda of shocked at like how like not black and white it is so that's that's kind of like mm -hmm. the whole story overall not this not this book um so like there was that and then like knowing like in the back of my mind that this was like a scholastics like educational book series mm -hmm. i guess or is that's how they sold it is kind of funny yeah yeah but like yeah because it, it's not it's not educational at all i mean maybe maybe you learn a little bit about friendship maybe or that, like, people are going to start <laughs> dicking you? you over in life, like, day in, day out. Like, I That's mean, true. it does kind of, like, it does bring some realism into your life. Like, if you were a poor kid growing up and you read the Animorphs, you'd be like, well, I guess life's not that bad. I mean, yeah. I haven't thought about committing relate. suicide by flying into a window yet, so I guess, I guess I'm doing all right. I haven't had to buy milk from a convenience <laughs> store and then lose it immediately oh, after yet. Oh, no. <laughs> And then get yelled at by your friends for saving the day. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Marcos is really into like nuclear proliferation or I mean, like what's what's going on here? How did this start off? How did this book start off? So um, Marcos, I believe, watching TV <laughs> and then uh, he gives us some great character descriptions as per usual. And then there's uh, some shit on the news about a giant downed sub that has nuclear weapons on it for no reason. Um, and Marco's like, well, better get over there. And then we cut to Cassie. And that's literally how this book opens. So, yeah, you're right. He just really likes nuclear subs, I guess. Like, I mean, because it doesn't have anything to do with the Yerks or anything like that. And he's usually the guy no, to be no. like, I don't think we should do this right off the bat. But, like, this one, he just, right. it seemed out of character because he was all like, is this the start of the Ghost Riders, maybe? Because no, not yet. Marco just kind of, like, 
he's been the guy saying like, "Hey, dudes, we're gonna get killed. We're gonna get killed. We're gonna get killed." And then this thing happens. He's like, "Let's do it." But he like he always reluctantly does the right thing. So he just complains it's about it. Out of right, it's out of character, but it also isn't like. He's like, man, I've spent enough time with Cassie and Jake now that, like, I better tell somebody. I don't want to do anything about it. And he does actually start the book out complaining, like, hey, I'm in the ocean with, like, 30-foot waves falling on my head and I can't breathe. This sucks. How did I get here? Let me tell you. That's a funny story. So, This was a pretty strong opening, I thought. Like, there were some good goofs. (laughs) There were. Like the last calls Cassie a tree hugging wacko. Yeah, like the last time we heard from Marco, he it was uh, in the shark book, and he was super depressed and angry and basically Rachel esque. Um, so mm-hmm. the fact that he's back and making his good good jokes was very much a relief to me. Yeah, yeah, he does seem to be more back to his old self, and he actually, you know what, Drew, you make a really good point here because Jomina had a little bit. He does seem very optimistic in this mm-hmm. book. Like, more so than usual. So, um, but we will get to that eventually. I do have a note here, like, okay, so they're all going to head out. Mm-hmm. It's clearly, like, storming, right? Yeah. Very badly, yeah. So, like, not one parent offered them a ride? Like, Cassie lives, in, in my mind, she lives, like, a bit of a way out. Yeah, she does. Like, she's just like, bye, I'm going to walk three miles to Rachel's house or whatever. These are just some pretty checked out parents, is what I'm saying. Oh, for sure. These parents are not doing well. <laughs> like, at every point in this book, these parents are checked the fuck out. And, like, some of them, like, you know, Marco's dad originally, it was like, oh, he was really depressed. He didn't notice anything. Like, he didn't give a shit about anything. Now he's a little more attentive. Cassie's parents are just always busy. Rachel's mom is divorced. So, like, originally when her dad was around, I don't know what the deal was. But now, like, you could say her mom works long hours and is never home. Jake's parents, I have no idea. They're, they're playing tennis. I don't know. They're All playing the time. tennis. At the, at the club. That's the only thing we know about them. We don't know what they do. We just know that they play tennis. Yeah, that's his whole family dynamics more focused on his older brother, who also is just gone all the time, and his parents do not care. I mean, occasionally, like, they get inter- interrupted by their parents. I think Cassie the most, because she's got a bunch of chores. But, like, when I read that they were yeah. just, like, leaving, I'm like, is, wait, like, isn't there, like, a giant storm threatening the sub? And, like, are you guys nearby? Because you're walking to the beach to get to the sub. Just seemed a little weird. Although yeah. it's, it's not specified that they walked to the beach. Uh, I mean, they probably flew, but, yeah. It would be helpful to know storm. where the fuck they are, but, you know. <laughs> They can't tell us God. that. I picture, like, like they're out, like, in Oregon. Like, I've always pictured them, like, like the beaches to the west of them. That's that's how I've always looked. Well, it's like, okay, they live within a proximity of a beach and kind of a forest mountain area and a right. city. So, are you thinking, like, Portland? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Or maybe, like, a suburb of, because, mm-hmm. like, there's farmland, clearly. Okay. I've been jumping around. I fir- I thought they were in Seattle first, and then like Bay Area, and then like L.A. and I don't know. I- I'm still thinking California, but who even? Well, knows? and then this one with like with the end of this book, like you got to rethink everything because where is that? Where is that crater? Or well, yeah, sorry. yeah, because yeah, whoops. There are definitely <laughs> volcanoes up near Oregon, Washington. Oh God, this is a trap. I'm not getting into. <laughs> And didn't the crater hit I want to say middle that's... south of the U.S. or something? Yeah, you're talking like real life, right? 
Don't they think yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah. It, don't they think it's the Gulf of Mexico? It might have been. Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. Right. So this I mean, but it's not like this is tied to any sort of physics that we believe in. So Yeah, that's that is completely <clears throat> true. Right. So Jake takes a time out to explain that he hates rainy days. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, you're skipping over Cassie. You oh. you don't want to talk about Cassie? I'm reading my notes in order and drinking Coors Light. Oh. Oh, Coors Light. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> It is. No, I admit. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a very important point. What's everybody drinking? Since this is our guest episode and we always drink during those episodes. Alex, what are you drinking? Are you ready for this? I'm drinking Maui Brewing Company <gasps> Pineapple Mono Wheat Beer. Fuck did you get that? Word? What? Do they stock There's it? There's one store by me that oh started stocking it recently. God. That's amazing. Uh, We're getting some yeah. when I go out to visit you. Yes. Okay, I'm in. Casey, what are you drinking? I am drinking Star Hill uh, beer. It is a wheat beer called The Love. It is my favorite, favorite beer. Uh, More favorite than the pineapple? No. Okay. That's that's (laughs) fair. It's my second favorite beer. So fun fact about Drew is he drinks gin, um, but like he knew that if he drank gin during this podcast, he would be done for the rest of the day. So, um, uh, <laughs> any beer other than like light bullshit beers gives me the sniffles. So I oh, had to go with really? this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like not good with hoppy beers or anything like that. Are you like mildly allergic? That's what people say. I just say I get the sniffles. I like the sniffles. It sounds less threatening. Yeah. So, uh, Cassie's just having a great fucking timing a dolphin. Um, they're struggling a little bit getting through the waves at first, but like, you know, it's all cool. It takes them about 45 minutes to get to the area where the sub has gone down no, and wait. they just start searching for it. Now, at one point during this book, Marcos like says, hey, is is anyone else getting a lot of salt in there when they're trying to breathe? Mm-hmm. He's been a dolphin before, right? Yep. Like a number two. Yep. Okay. And more books. He's it's, been a dolphin a few times. It just seems like he's um really shocked at being a dolphin. There's several times during this book where I feel like they should have remembered some things and like just skipping ahead to like oh that is a the theme very yeah end. no uh, like around yeah. note page seven that comes up a lot okay then I'll save it but yeah there's that's a theme during this book they are surprised <laughs> by things they should know and how yeah, <laughs> yeah this book kind of seemed like we got like yeah. the generic knockoff versions of our characters because they don't seem to have like the full breadth of their experiences at hand see that is true for almost all of them, except for Tobias, I feel like, is very strong in this book. Mm-hmm. That is like, true. Oh. Yeah. He's intense in this book. And Jake has, like, he seems pretty Jake-like throughout the book. The rest of them, yeah, they're kind of like... They're... I mean, Cassie has her moments, though. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. There's been consistency issues before that I've brought up. I mean, it must be hard yeah. to keep track of six characters, though. <laughs> Well, yeah, and six characters, and, like, they each have their own individual morphs and everything, because it's not like the team ever gets, like, you know, consistent morphs between all of them. Like, it's a lot to keep track of, for sure. Difficult. But there, there's some great moments in this book, though, and I will bring them up later. Great character moments, also very weird character moments. But, yeah, Rachel in this book was very, I think, washed out. I completely agree with that for, for Rachel the most. Yeah, so anyways, they find the sub... By some stroke of luck, Cassie does see it almost immediately. Um, and so they come up with a plan, which is Rachel's plan. 
We've skipped to Jake's perspective, but Rachel's plan. They kidnap a diver to show her where the sub is. It Okay, can they grab someone and swim with them really fast underwater like this? Would this not physically injure them? Uh, like, uh, air pressure? Air pressure-wise? Like, getting bubbles in the bloodstream and things? Uh, the bends? Uh, I mean, I'd have to ask my boyfriend who dives, but... I, I was picturing them, they were going fairly, like, in a straight line for most of it. I yeah, that's true. I don't have a rational explanation for this, but, like, I pictured the sub as, like, being on the surface of the water. But there's no reason why I should think that. I think, well, I think it has to be the bottom because they would, they were racing down towards where the yeah, sub was. No, you're and right, they only right. just saw the, the, um, Cassie saw the periscope. But, and that, so. that's what made me think it was, like, towards the surface. So they were just, like, dragging someone over towards it. But I guess yeah, that's like, true. those things extend pretty far. I don't know how far those extend. I don't. I, I feel like 20 up. feet's got to be the max. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, I'm sure it depends on sub size too, right? I, I would mean, think they just float a camera up at surface level. Don't don't you think? Like they don't they don't actually have a metal tube that goes up there anymore, do they? Mm-hmm. I would just like release a GoPro with like an inner <laughs> tube attached to it and just be like, all right, that's what's going on up there. and like they've got to have some sort of like internal pinging system where they could just like float up the black box that like bounces off of any nearby you know anyone that's looking for them like there has to even though it's the 90s like the technology for like sonar and things was beyond what this sub is carrying which is apparently nothing but nuclear missiles if anyone in the audience is an expert on nuclear missile carrying submarines please write in and tell us what's up (laughs) That's uh, terrifying. wield a terrible power. But yeah, so they, they drag this diver over to the sub who locates it, and then they realize, like, they don't have enough time to swim back and demorph on the beach and be within the two-hour time limit. So they just kind of swim away a little ways, and they're like, well, since we've refreshed our time limit, let's, like, just go check out what's going on, make sure the rescue operation is going well. So they go back there just to check out their handiwork, and they see all of these, like, rescue subs racing away from this thing. And they're like, oh, I wonder why they're all racing away from this thing. And then it fucking explodes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And that's how we get into this whole fucking mess. <laughs> this should be, like, the biggest event that happens in the Animorphs for, like, the next ten books. Mm, it should be. But it's not. I mean, it's... I, I, I don't know if it's... Like, is it, like, mentioned anymore? Like... Are they watching the um, news and people are like, and the radiation from the the beach is closed permanently. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's not ever like, oh, there's like nuclear fallout on our local beach. Like that's not a concern. Rachel, we're moving. Books. Housing prices are dropping. <laughs> there's radiation everywhere. God. This could be the next like the rest of the series was just like how many fucked up animals could they collect the DNA of? Like, oh, no. it's almost like Pokemon now. Like, oh, let's find the child with four arms that's really strong. Yeah, we got him a chop. Now it's him a choke. Perfect. Acquire it. Dear God. Like, this is where you can write the Pokemon. No, 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 no. That's actually really uh, relevant to the Game Boy Color game because it's basically a Pokemon ripoff. Oh, oh yeah. Animorphs? I forgot you had played through some of that. <gasps> I, I just barely touched it. I'm I'm hoping for a day where like you or you know like someone can enjoy it with me because I feel like a grown man I of really 36 shouldn't spend like eight hours beating <laughs> a video game like that. But you should. I still. I mean, I want to be there for me. But like, I would not judge you for doing it. 
So when the sub blew up, it opened up our very favorite of all the time mechanics, a stereo rip. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, so we cut to Rachel's perspective. She wakes up and she starts calling out for everybody and eventually gets to Marco, who of course just waits quietly until she calls his name because that's a Marco thing to do. Like You think he would just scream back Polo? <laughs> <laughs> I would that's oh what I thought God. the whole time. Every time she yells Marco, I am like, Polo, why did you miss this joke? Maybe she made the conscious decision not to do that joke. I don't think Marco would make the conscious decision not to do that joke though. Oh, Marco would totally do that joke. Right? Maybe it'll, it's totally in his wheelhouse. Maybe it'll it come is. up later, I hope. I can only hope. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they, they're looking for everybody else. They're not responding yet. So Marco's like, well, let's swim down, look up. We'll see their, the light shining through the surface. We'll see their dead bodies, basically. And uh, so that they do that, and they find them, and they swim up, start waking them up. And Cassie is very injured. She has to demorph immediately. She wakes up screaming and, like, I guess bleeding from the eyes and blowhole and things is how I imagined it. Wow. I don't think they specifically say that. But yeah, so then they start like looking around, trying to find civilization, and they're not really seeing anything. They jump up out of the water. There's a giant volcano. They're like, what in the actual fuck? Um, but that wondering about where they are is cut short by the fact that there's two giant Loch Ness monster-looking things swimming up on them. And Axe is just pleased that he told them repeatedly they were not whales, and indeed these creatures are not whales. <laughs> well, actually, Rachel, they're not whales. <laughs> That's the only thing. I'm like, you don't even go here. Like, what do is, you know? is that your is that your axe voice? Is that what you hear in your head? No, it, that's my no. axe mansplaining <laughs> voice. But I wish it were. I hear Belky from Perfect Strangers every time he talks. I I don't know that voice. Uh, Can you give us that one? Yeah. No, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to YouTube that. Actually, the whole series is on Hulu. I think. Okay, remind me of what that's called towards the end so I can look that up. I don't know what my character voices are anyway we don't we don't do character voices we're not as fun and free on this podcast <laughs> i beat casey down every week <laughs> anyways so we cut to tobias's perspective who from the get-go is as soon as they're in this world is like i know what they are i'm just not going to tell anybody because they're going to think i'm in fucking sane which to be fair he's not wrong um so he doesn't want to say what they are but he's like i know it i know what they are i know what they look <laughs> pick like me. and uh pick me pick me <laughs> Um, but they're swimming as fast as they can away from these Loch Ness monster looking things. And Rachel's like, we should fight them. And he's like, I admire her, but she's wrong. It's kind of mixed with, and she's hot, right? The entire book. Oh, Every yeah. time he's like, I look at She's wrong, she's but she's hot. <laughs> she's wrong, but she's sexy. So I'm willing to she's forgive it. She's fucking stupid, but I love her so much. Oh my God. God damn. Yeah, Tobias. Ugh. Wow. This is where like. My middle school age could really like be like, wow, I think Tobias likes her. Like, you know, because. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> um, like, I go back and forth between whether she's going to hook up with Marcos or Tobias. I can't argue that because, as everyone knows, I'm diehard Tobias and Rachel. No, you're right. a shipper. You're shipping that. All right. Yeah. Like, I try not to force it on people, but that's what I want in my heart. But I'm definitely so. getting Rachel Marco vibes, even if it's like one sided. Because, yeah, like, he's always like, let's not do this. This is dumb. Oh, Rachel wants to do that? All right, fine. Let's do it. And the banter. And he's another one. Yeah, and the banter. But he's another one, too, that's like, this plan is, plan is insane, but Rachel's beautiful. Yeah, she's he's beautiful, always but crazy. saying how beautiful she is. 
And then there's Jake. She's my cousin, but she's pretty hot if she weren't my cousin. <laughs> I hate it so much. It's my least favorite. So I guess I'll date Cassie because, like, you know. Cassie's the only other girl here. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's always covered in manure and stuff. But, like, you know, what am I going to do? Bang my cousin? I can live with that. Oh, no. I could probably get over the shit smell. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh <my> God. <laughs> another thing I loved about this whole segment is that there's several magic school bus references, which is oh so fucking so fantastic. Many. Um, I and think like, we grew up in slightly different years because I didn't catch any of them. Oh, well, that shit's on Netflix. That's that's why I know. Well, that's why I know Perfect Strangers and yeah, Magic School Bus. I miss it. Like I miss it in context because I I tried to watch it. Now as an adult, and I'm like, oh, this is not as nearly as entertaining uh-huh. as when I was a child. <sighs> but yeah, a lot of Magic School Bus references, and um, a lot of just silly things that I adore. Um, okay, so anyways, they're swayed away from these giant Loch Ness monster creatures, and Rachel's like, we should split up! And uh, so they, I guess, start to, but then this thing comes up from below them and just closes its mouth around Tobias and Rachel what, in their dolphin morphs. Was that that fucking thing from Jurassic World? I mean, I'm pretty sure it was. And I think Tobias might have said the name at the end of it, which I don't believe matches up with Jurassic World. But for all intents and purposes, it's that thing from Jurassic World. Okay. Anyways, they got swallowed by a giant sea monster. And Rachel's like, I'm going to go into Battle Morph because it's Rachel and fight her way out of the insides of a creature. And uh, Tobias is in there with her, but he kind of immediately, like she passes out for a minute and then comes to Tobias just kind of like passes out and starts getting ground up. Cut to Jake's perspective. So Jake starts uh, giving them the orders to dive and run away from this thing, but Cassie is like, oh god, no, I can't leave my friends. So he orders them to grab Cassie and to flee. So Marco and Axe kind of, I guess, grab her fins and kind of like swim along with her to get her away from these creatures. And the way that they get away is that the creature, the Loch Ness Monster creatures, and the ones that swallowed Tobias and Rachel, start to fight over eating them. So they have a little bit of a standoff, which gives... Uh, Marco, Axe, Cassie, and Jake, time to escape away from them. They motor as fast as they can with these things, chasing them close behind to the beach where they beach themselves and start demorphing. Um, And once they demorph, they look around and they try to figure out, like, where they are and what's happening, but nothing is familiar, and the only thing they see are these giant fucking footprints, which they don't know what left them. There's a lot of lead up here, guys. Oh my god. It's dying. (laughs) Were you? (laughs) I love this book so much. God. <laughs> um, yeah, so we now cut to Cassie's perspective. She is mourning her friends, but also trying to figure out where the fuck they are and what is happening. And also, oh my God, Rachel's dead. But also, what is happening and who is here and where are we? Um, so they start looking around, basically just like the most cliched dinosaur park you can think of. <laughs> There's just large creatures everywhere and ferns and all sorts of crazy shit. They stop to take a drink, and of course, a large crocodile lunges out at them and snaps shut right in front of Cassie's face. She books it out of there, and they're like, okay, what the fuck? Um, So she's trying to figure out where they could possibly be, where they stumble across a baby, something or other. And then Cassie's like, no, this is impossible. This is completely impossible. And then a Tyrannosaurus Rex jumps over their head, lands on the baby dinosaur, and starts eating it. Apparently, I'm the only one that's excited about this. Well, <clears throat> I have a couple notes. Um, right before the split up, Rachel was all yeah. like, hey, I see a volcano over there. Yeah. 
And Jake has a huge, like, he almost demands. I think it says demands. How do you know about volcanoes? Yep. Like, as if it's, like, some big deal. <laughs> and then, uh, just just uh, for the listeners that don't read the books, the two parties seem to be the people that made it to shore are Cassie, Jake, Axe, and Marco. And the people that possibly have been eaten are Rachel and Tobias. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That is correct. And yeah. then this book starts, like, time jumping around, and I kind of got the sequence, like, I couldn't tell, like, when certain events had happened. Like, because I think, like, they kind of run, like, one story runs ahead for a little bit, and then the other story catches up. Uh-huh. It's, uh, yep. it's a little weird like that. And then at this point, when they find the, uh, when they find the dinosaur prints as well, like, mm-hmm. Cassie makes a statement, and I think she just thinks this. She says, Jake thinks I'm an animal expert. Is she not? Like, I mean, like, you work on a farm, your parents are, like, involved with animals, this is the same sort of thing she said, too, in the first um, time travel one, which was only a day, of course, so it was a lot easier. But, um, yeah, he, she's like, I'm no animal expert, but I also know that only monkeys with, like, longer tails were from South America. It was, like, some weird... But I do know where on Earth we are because yeah. of... Uh, yeah, right. Exactly that. <laughs> she, like, drops some very specific knowledge, and then she's like, but I don't know anything. Look, I'm no animal yeah. expert, but by the fourth toe on this monkey, I can tell that we are in South America, somewhere south of Brazil. Thanks, Professor. Well, and then, like, also with the given group that's there, I mean, who are you going to ask? You're going to ask Marcos? He basically plays <laughs> video games for a living? Like, of the people here, Cassie? Yeah, you are the expert. She's just for modest sure. about it, maybe. So, I mean, that question is not, like, misplaced if you were going to ask anyone. It's not. She's just upset that anybody's asking anything of her in this scenario. I mean, this may be reading into it a little bit, but like this still feels like she's unsure of uh, she's unsure of her decision making and her ability to answer questions since she ordered Jake to kill or asked politely, I guess, Jake to kill um, <laughs> Visitor 3's twin. I, I feel like she's been kind of acting like this since that moment where, like, anytime anybody asks her a question, she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. I can't decide anything. And it doesn't matter if it's like, what do you want for dinner or what kind of animal is this? She's like, why does everybody turn to me? <laughs> well, now, like, <clears throat> so at this point in my notes, um, I don't know exactly if it was this that caused me to write this or not. But, like, I wrote, Axe is the most competent member of the group this book. Yeah. Well, Till Tobias, but yeah, you're right. I mean, up until this point, Tobias is just basically following Rachel. Yeah, and he got eaten, so he's and he like was just ready to like, oh well, I'm gonna be digested. I'm ready to die. Well, to be fair, like, who didn't get eaten in this book? Yeah, it's so hard they to find, say. They find a baby dinosaur. They find a baby dinosaur, which is immediately eaten by a T Rex, <laughs> which is so exciting. You guys, we got dinosaurs, real dinosaurs. <laughs> Ah, oh, real monsters. <laughs> I, like, I seriously, I knew that it was going to be a difficult read-through for you guys, but I am so excited <laughs> about this dinosaur book. <laughs> uh, okay, anyways, <laughs> I will, yeah, I'll, I'll go along, and, and the timeline, you are correct, like, it, it seems like Rachel and Tobias are lagging for a little bit, and then catch up to the rest of the groups until, um halfway through the book all of a sudden it's like the timelines start running in tandem it seems like so uh, i there, will try to there's a specific event um it seems like rachel and tobias are in the water there's an explosion coming up 
that everyone else sees, yeah. but they don't see it. They just see smoke. So I feel like they right. were in the water for longer. But the, they were in the water for longer because they these guys are already out of the water and Rachel and Tobias are still fighting their way out of this creature. Right. And I think so they, they like, I think they like are fighting in the creature till that event happens. That's the timeline I drew drew out. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. That smoke might have been caused by the campfire though. Yeah. It's unclear. I'm not totally sure. No one is totally sure. That's the moral of this book. For, no one's sure. For the record, I thought the the split perspectives were handled a lot better in this book than in Megamorphs 1. Oh my god. Yes. Fuck. Yeah. Because the split perspectives in this book, even when they overlap in timelines, are not just the exact fucking same event from a different perspective. Yeah. <sighs> Much. Or if they are, it's just to give you a hint of when it is. Mm-hmm. Good job, Applegate. I mean, honestly, she could have written this book... And stopped it before the actual plot part happens, like when they discover, like, you know, spoiler, spoiler, down the road. If this was just a book of the Animorphs touring around and looking at different dinosaurs, I would have been like, this is the masterpiece I've been waiting for. So. I, I really thought that was what this book was. Like, yeah. um, I wasn't when it took that. that turn, like, halfway through, I was like, um, I was like, oh, this is a little plot heavy. <sighs> yep. And what I love about that turn is it comes in, like, the last 80 pages. Like, this is a 250-page book about. And the first, like, freaking 150 pages are just touring around looking at dinosaurs, which I am very pleased about. But, like, That's all for I the ever plot wanted. of the book, I don't know. <laughs> That's all I ever wanted. <laughs> if I can go back to when I originally read this, it did shock me all of a sudden. Continuing our tour of dinosaur land. Um... Rachel is fighting her way out of this dinosaur. She's morphing into a grizzly bear, but like she and Tobias are out of oxygen because you like this would have been several minutes to pass from her dolphin morph to human morph now and human to grizzly bear. And of course, it's exhausting and like, you know, you don't replenish the oxygen as you grow and so on and so forth. So she is like having an almost out of body experience where somebody is yelling lungs at her. And then she finally realizes it's her own brain and she pierces this creature's lungs with her giant grizzly bear claws that she is halfway morphed out. And she's like, Tobias, breathe. There's oxygen. Would that work? Um, no, this is I bullshit. I don't think so. <clears throat> like, I think this is total bullshit. <laughs> is it a dinosaur? Used to eating dinosaurs? Like... If you could just eat your way out of this thing, don't you think every other creature ever eaten by this thing would do that? Well, and does this dinosaur breathe oxygen? Mm. Like, like, does it surface like a like a mammal, or does it just I suck in oxygen through its gills? If it's the creature I think it is, it's not even really classified as a dinosaur. It's got another classification. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If it's and if it's the one I think that we are all thinking of, I believe it has gills. I, I believe it was a gill structure. I don't know. Fuck. And also, like, how... Even with grizzly bear claws, which are admittedly, like, five inches long. Like, they're mm-hmm. fucking huge, okay? <laughs> um, where where do you cut through to the lungs, and how does it burst in the stomach? It's not like the organ... It's not well, like they're floating around inside of this creature with all the organs visible. Right, you're in visible, the digestive like tract. A diorama. If, if we want to get super technical about it, it could have something <laughs> I like... I do. A, like a lucifer <laughs> organ that uh, betta fish beta fish have you know how they go to the top of the tank and they'll like oh up, yeah also, it could have like a some sort of lucifer organ situation <gasps> going on so rachel turns into a bear and rips out of the dinosaur jonah style that she does punches um through. and 
very fucking luckily this dinosaur beached itself while she was tearing herself out of it for some reason i mean you could say it was in distress and therefore beached itself especially if it hit like a swim bladder as we were kind of saying or like that that organ that you were talking about instead of you know Um, its actual lungs i really tried to make like some sort of connection to like the other great stories of this happening this doesn't seem like a pinocchio situation at all and then I couldn't tie it, tie it to uh, the biblical narrative of uh, Jonah's Jonah and the whale. Yeah. Yeah, no, this was totally a unique take of being eaten by a fish. It, it was. Throughout my years of running into other literature, I don't think I've seen anything quite I like mean, this. They learn no lessons, and apparently, when you get eaten by a no. fish, you learn a lesson. And yeah, not no, no, not no. here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do not learn lessons here. Uh. <laughs> uh, but they do make it up to the shore, so that's cool. Um, and then we cut to Tobias's perspective, who has a broken wing no. and is being extremely whiny about it. <laughs> so Rachel's like, well, just morph to a human and fix it. So he morphs to human, which he's like feels just terribly wrong in this crazy environment, and then morphs back to a hawk. And his arm is still broken. That fucked me up. And I don't know where it came from. Like, I still don't know why. Well, and I'd been wondering this up until this point, because no one's gotten hurt in their human forms yet. So, like, I figured that when you morph into something else and then morph back, you fix yourself. But this book just, like, fucking proved that if you get hurt as your, as your base body... Like, it's permanent. Did it, though? Uh, d- oh, it wow. Though? Is so- that the law? I don't Is that know. how it works? Because, like, I wrote this note down myself, and but that makes sense. But, well, Alex. I'm willing to accept that as the casual reader. Alex, what were, what, do you, what were you going to say? Do you want me to answer or no? Yes. Are you sure? Because I feel like somebody I want, else got hurt. I want to know. Marco cut his hand in book 10 oh, and so. morphed and healed it. <gasps> Wait. So is it all, time travel that's fucking him up? All bets off because of the Sanrio rip? Yup. Sanrio rip. Fucking Sanrio. Yeah, this is a definite all bets are off scenario. I don't know if that's cool, you know? Like, oh, like this thing happened, I can just bend the rules. I don't know how I feel about that, actually. Kind of, I guess, spoil it for you guys a little bit. I have never felt good about this particular scenario. Uh-huh. I felt it was very much a plot driven thing yeah. as opposed to it was convenient for uh, this book i feel like well because like to, this yeah. plot device that slows them down because okay so mm-hmm. like they're trying to catch up to everyone else and because tobias cannot fly they have to move slower because rachel right. can't fucking carry him apparently he couldn't morph into like yeah. a flea or like i don't know a mouse or something small that she could just pick up and carry well, not only that, but he also, it means that he couldn't fly above her and see all of the top topographic scenarios oh, so no, they he, could, like, he reunite could have. He made that, he, he made that choice. He was like, I could yeah. morph into an eagle right now, but, like, you're going to have to reset my wing and that's going to hurt. Wait, does he have another flying morph? Uh, I think he has seagull oh. at this point. Right? Because he did the scouting mission in the last book. Where No, he was still a hawk in that yeah. book. Maybe oh, he I... doesn't have another bird morph yet. Because he mentioned later in the book that like he has a very limited amount of morphs. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure out what 
But, like, I think, like, his other factor was, like, you don't have much of your costume left to, like, rip off to make a splint for my like, <laughs> like, like, he's concerned about how clothed Rachel is. Okay, so here's what we should have read into this, is that Tobias just slowly wants to unclothe Rachel. No. This is the start of a very erotic fan Fuck, fiction. Fuck, you're 12! No. Well, you think he would have morphed and lost his, his brace then and done it again then. No! Oh, but he does, He's not a right? creepy dude. He's not. He's a good boy. Oh, no. He spent years as a hawk. He is not a... not a. He's a creepy hawk, dude. No. He's 12. They're all 12. <laughs> Nothing gross can happen until they're A 12-year-old hawk eight. is pretty adult, though. Fuck. A 12-year-old hawk is like... That's like a senior center hawk, basically. He's a child. He's just trying to get his last one in before the great, you know... I hate all of this. <laughs> Ride into the darkness. No, I don't condone it. <laughs> well, that is a question of mine. Like, if you morph, like, an animal that's at end of life, uh-huh. like a senior citizen crocodile or whatever, like, do you have to worry about, like, death from old age while you're in that morph? Well, like, that's, okay, but, so here's the thing. They've acquired... <clears throat> I, I understand you're only there for two first. hours, so the chance is, like, very rare, but, but, but like... But DNA, man, like... Yeah, it doesn't have an age. Like they, they can acquire. Oh, DNA the has animal. an age. Well, that's, I, that's or, why we yeah. age, in fact. Because if you're a twelve-year-old human morphing into an animal, does that does it like carry over the equivalent of that animal at what a human year would be at twelve years old? How does no, time work? Would... Fuck. Well, like I think there's scenarios in here of them acquiring like a younger. Maybe the not. The horse. Maybe there's not. Right. Well, they, they, it was a young horse, but it was a fully grown horse, right? Like, but it has to carry an age because, yeah. like, they've morphed adult humans, and it's not like they've gotten a geriatric and they're suddenly, like, middle-aged, or a child morph and they're suddenly, like, middle-aged. Like, oh, no. it, it carries that time stamp, but it feels like this is one of those things that, like, is totally flexible within morphing. Like, this is something that... It's like the same sort of thing as like, you know, they have their ears pierced and they morph, but like their ear pierce weren't healed oh, over. Like it's it's one of those things that's like movable, right? Oh. It's malleable. Okay. Yeah, but Cassie acquired Rachel and morphed Rachel, and Rachel was presumably as old as she was when when she was acquired. So can we go by yeah. that rule of when you acquire the animal, you are the age of whatever that animal is at that moment. Well that makes sense. That kind of makes sense, like, why you can't acquire a dead animal. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, theoretically, you could then die of old age, but, like... If you acquire an old-ass thing that's about to die of old age. Like, within two hours. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Oh, f- How do you determine if something's gonna die within two hours of old age, though? Oh. I, I guess you take a look at the animal for the next two hours? <laughs> this hurts my brain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I guess I don't know that many people or things that have just died of old age. Like, most of the time it's like, oh, it has cancer, or it has this medical problem. Like, it never, I just, I don't know of that many things that, like, would maintain through morphing, it's gonna die within an hour and a half, so don't ever stay in this morph for more than an hour and 24 minutes or whatever, right? Because its heart explodes. Yeah, like, its heart explodes. And this is definitely going to happen to you no matter what. Its only factor is old age, and its heart explodes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, I don't so, know. Okay, 
Rachel and Tobias hit the beach, I think is where we're at. Tobias is a broken wing. Yeah, Forever. and so he gets Rachel to set his wing um, and to get the wait, 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 wait. Was that? <laughs> yes. Was that a factoid fury? What? I don't know. What do I, or, what did I say? <laughs> or was that a tangent? Uh, that seems a little bit tangential because there was no real resolution. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah factoid furries is when Alex is like, actually, racehorses are probably not going to be okay. Palominos okay. because right. they are right. thoroughbreds and blah, 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 blah. Oh, you'll get one of those this book. Yes. Don't even worry. <laughs> Dinosaurs head feathers. Hashtag fuck you. Rachel sets his wing at his insistent demanding that she does. Which is my um, favorite so romance uses... trope. One of my favorite romance <laughs> tropes is healing your love interest. <laughs> so gentle caresses there was and touches. tension and a large snap as they sucker punch <laughs> the bone back into place. <laughs> Which is basically what happens here. (laughs) Like, she literally just, like, keeps snapping the bone back in place. And it sounds like she doesn't get it on the first try. Like, it takes her three tries. Poor sweet Toblerone. Gross. (laughs) Toblerone? (laughs) That's my new nickname for him. Okay, okay. Um, So, yeah, she, she gets it set on him she's had to pull away the midriff of her morphing suit to do this to get the fabric strips which she says is a fashion statement um and then she does make a comment like but don't hurt any other appendages because i'll be naked before we get out of here which was awkward as fuck for a 12 year old (laughs) so anyways uh so tobias starts giving us a dino lesson and I wrote, welcome to Cretaceous Park. Dun, dun, <laughs> we spared dun, no dun. expense. We spared no expense. On oh, no, 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 no. He doesn't just give a dino lesson. He gives a very dark explanation to why he knows about dinosaurs. Yeah, that's... Oh. I skipped over the, the negative parts because I wanted to talk about dinosaurs. But he does mention... No, he doesn't he just mention... All of this. Oh. It's a huge deal. It's like the Joker explaining why he has these scars. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to know why I know so much about dinosaurs? Oh. <laughs> My uncle used to drink. <laughs> right, no, it's fucking morbid. <laughs> I literally wrote a paragraph along these lines, crossed it out, said this is too dark for their podcast, and then wrote, Tobias the Dino Expert, and moved on. Oh, nothing's too dark for this podcast. No. You can oh. tell us everything. No, no, I'm not doing it. No. So anyway, uh, Tobias had an <laughs> uncle that uh, was abusive. Yeah, alcoholic, apparently. abusive uncle. So Tobias went in his room mm-hmm. and played. Oh, we do have to talk about this. He played with dinosaur toys, and that's why he knows everything about dinosaurs. You know, and it's super important yeah. to the end of the book. You know, yeah. I did not have an alcoholic, abusive uncle, but I played with dinosaurs when I was a kid. Um, I Yeah, I don't think it was like... I don't think you had to have an alcoholic uncle that took care of That was not a prerequisite to (laughs) enjoy with dinosaur toys. Because, like, I also remember being a fan of dinosaurs, but also being raised in a very, like, creationist household. So, like... Oh, interesting. Man. That's that's another podcast. That is another podcast that I want to get into. Sweet. So, the T-Rex decides to eat Marco. Yeah, yeah. So um, he is being chased by a T-Rex, and it literally jump cuts to him running and screaming and crying 
while this thing is coming behind him and he starts screaming more small more small but he is so out of his mind with fear that he cannot even focus enough to morph and so he's like just running and then he trips on a root he kind of like rolls into some brush he starts trying to morph small he starts to go osprey and he's like kind of like flutter kicking running along as a little marco osprey mess and the T-Rex is completely focused on him and, like, chasing around trees, trying to, like, uproot it's, stuff, tear stuff up around It's him. basically that scene in Jurassic Park where the kids are trapped under the Jeep and the T-Rex is, like, pushing it around. Yeah, or, um, yes, that, or if you've seen the second Jurassic Park, it's the scene where, like, the T-Rex hunts them, like, through the waterfall and stuff, where he just, like, there's something blocking him, but he, like, sticks his head through and, like, pulls Marco out anyways. And this is the first of, like, a T-Rex going after something big that would be considered a full meal and deciding, I want to chase this smaller thing instead. <laughs> yeah. Let me chase the smaller Because, like, there's a series of those going on here. There is, and this is, this first one I think is the only one that I forgive because he started off as big when it focused on him and he did progressively get smaller, but it was still the same thing that the T-Rex was hunting. It wasn't like, oh, here's a big thing. Oh, you're distracted by a smaller, less valuable thing. It senses movement. Just Which, stay still. That is not true at all. <laughs> Do you want to fight about this right I, now? Because T-Rex had binocular I vision. I, was, I wasn't trying to run. <laughs> okay i'll let it go this time but anyways um yeah so marco starts going osprey and it gets to the point where the t-rex gets right near him kind of closes its mouth around him but its teeth go into the ground and it gets caught on a root and he just kind of skitches out of the side of the t-rex's mouth and tries to take off um because the t-rex is so focused on him this gives axe a chance to come in from the side and in like three swipes of his tail blade he gets this T-Rex somewhere around the, the neck, I assume the jugular vein or whatever right. it is in T-Rexes. So at this point, I have two points. One, Axe just, yes. just, just felled a fucking T-Rex and he's awesome. He's my boy. Second of all, this is the first point in the book where I started absolutely screaming, acquire the T-Rex, you fucking buffoons. <laughs> Drop the mic. Acquire the T-Rex, you idiots. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as yeah, this, dear God. As this is, as far as I've read in the book, things that they acquire through time travel, like, does that stay with them? That, that, they did it before. No, 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 uh, not, not stay with. Have they really brought that out in present time, though? Yeah, they bring it up at the very end of the book. That's like the last yeah. chapter they bring it up. I mean, up. you can acquire a thing when you're in a, a Sanrio rip. Because they've done it before. Jake got a jaguar and monkeys and shit. Yeah, but has he been jaguar in real time? Oh. No, because his body died. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah, I'm asking. And his body yeah. died. Yeah. And tigers are So better. he has not. And tigers are better. <laughs> but, yeah, he died. We're getting sure. to the point. Uh, there's a point in this book where we're going to take a long rabbit hole down how time travel works. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's not do it early. Yeah. Like, I've saved okay. all my notes for Serial Rift off to the side, basically. Cool. Okay, good. I'm ready. Um, but yeah, X fells a T-Rex. Awesome. Uh, somebody grabs Marco, and the T-Rex tries <clears throat> to let out a roar, which I assume just came out. They didn't say this in the book, but I'm going to go ahead and assume it just came out a bloody gurgle out of its, like, gaping neck wound, and then it collapses to the ground, dead. X is mm -hmm. badass. <sighs> Axe is so good. And they try to tell him he's so a badass. So cut to his perspective. They do try to tell him he's a badass. And we cut to his perspective. And he's trying to be like, 
calm about this, but they're like, great job, Axe. And then he does make a really funny aside about how, like, Jake slaps him on the shoulder and he's like, this is done when they're congratulating you or feel camaraderie or if you have a mosquito on you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's totally shaken up and they're like, great job, Axe. And he's like, you do not understand. This was lucky. This was lucky. I cannot take on a T-Rex. There is a 90% chance I would fail if I took on a T-Rex one-on-one. And with Axe, that's not, like, just conflating percentages. Like, that is an accurate mathematical assumption of his likelihood of surviving. He's a math boy. Boy. He's a good, good math boy. <laughs> and also, he's thinking so. about licking the floor. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking about eating them cigarettes in the future. In the cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Axe is really stressing that he cannot fight a T-Rex. And Jake finally is like okay fine and then jake's like very very unsure of what to do because this is just not his area of expertise like he's a planning guy but not this sort of planning for the woods so cassie just fucking gets to be the most <laughs> badass lady oh my God. and she just like she turns into bear grill she's does. i didn't even write this down but yeah it does come into play later she's such a fucking badass in this moment she's just like get some meat Make some sandals. Let's do this thing. So I'm going to need to make a fire out of a bow that we make out of his intestines. So, yeah. So at at this point, she like goes over to the T-Rex, puts her fucking hand on it. I start screaming, acquire the fucking T-Rex. Because at that moment, you should have been like, oh, hey, this is an animal. I can touch it. I should acquire. Like, you can't acquire this one because it's dead. But like, generally. And the book said, no. And the book said, no. We're going (laughs) to gut this T-Rex and live inside of it like Luke inside of fucking Tauntaun. (laughs) <laughs> like make a cage out of its rib cage yeah. i was like all right like i agree with cassie in this of get what you can from this corpse and get the fuck out right. of here because like another t-rex would probably come by soon or that spitting lizard from jurassic park one. Oh, he was a scavenger he's gonna show up night. soon to be fair though they didn't like spit venom or anything uh in that movie they did mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's true. But Steven Spielberg admitted that that was just him. That was his fantasy creature that he interjected. Yeah, this book is not based on science. So, like, (laughs) I don't think any of it is based on science. (laughs) Like, I believe that is the extent of K.A. Applegate's knowledge on dinosaurs at this point. She's like, I watched Jurassic Park. I watched Jurassic Park. I know dinosaurs. I feel like she did some very rudimentary Googling as well because she's like, mm, nope. Jurassic Park, she that's not strictly accurate. She didn't, she didn't Google at all. She maybe mama.com or <laughs> asked Jeeves, <laughs> but she did not Google. Jeeves, tell me about dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, search engines were different back then. Ugh. That's true. Yahoo. And I, you know what? That really makes me forget a lot of the inaccurate facts in this book. You know what? It was prodigy. What did she use for it? America Worldwide or something like that. What was American Online? Well, but she made up a name for Web it Access in, like two or three books ago. Web Access Online or was her Boys AOL. Eleven Men. Boys Eleven Men. Boys. Nice Le- oh my God, you guys! Boys to Men came on at the gym the other Beautiful. day, and I looked around. And I'm like, oh, is this that band Boys Eleven Men? And everybody oh. looked at me like I was the idiot. <laughs> Yeah. So, cut to Rachel. Rachel is carrying Tobias like a little baby hawk bird, which is adorable. Oh, I know. Cute. And her feet are fucked up. Um, but she doesn't complain. She does not complain she's at a all. She is a badass. And she like even mentioned something like Tobias, like she jostles his wing and he like 
makes this like oh noise and she's like how dare i complain about my feet when other people are injured which was so nice of her uh she holds tobias up above her head which always cracks me up the mental image of her just like grabbing tobias and holding him fucking love it it's adorable i wrote that down too (laughs) and tobias (laughs) thinks he sees some smoke in the distance so they're like okay we can go towards it but we should probably follow the river so we at least have some like clean water to drink blah 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 so they start following the river towards the smoke and they enter into a clearing area where they see what needs no explanation from tobias and that is a ton of grazing triceratops dun 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 it's the best and they whip off their sunglasses (laughs) they whip off their sunglasses and then tobias reaches over to rachel's head and as she's looking at a leaf he turns it towards the dinosaur (laughs) and says you gotta look at this thing and she slowly rises up out of the jeep (laughs) Uh, i wish that i wish that so much anyways um right uh they see triceratops which they're all excited by, and which I will be referring to as trikes at multiple points in this book. Trikes. So just, so just be aware of that. Um, yeah, so while Tobias sees the Triceratops, he also sees something else. Something menacing. It's Deinonychus, guys. Dino. That's right. Deinonychus. Dionysus. And for, <laughs> for anyone who is um, unsure what that dinosaur is, that is actually what the Velociraptors were in Jurassic Park. Um, the main way to tell a Velociraptor from a Deinonychus or Dionysus, to, I mean, whatever, um, is you can dropkick a Velociraptor because they're, like, two feet tall. And Deinonychus were, like, seven feet tall. Like, they are not quite that tall. But they were they were very large running raptors with the killing claw on their foot. So just know that's what we're talking about. <laughs> they probably also had feathers. Yes, they did probably also have feathers on their arms and potentially tails. Um, and a, there's a lot of conjecture over whether or not their young were feathered. They think a lot of them were for warmth, like had that downy feathers like Aww. young chicks have. So, yeah. In fact, they think T-Rex had those as well. They, they discovered some structures on a um, baby T-Rex or around a baby T-Rex fossil probably a decade ago now. I say a few years, and that could mean anything from 20 to 5. So, Factoid fury. <laughs> that is a factoid Factoid. Yeah, so these Deinonychus are hunting the Triceratops. And they see Rachel pretty quickly and turn their attention from these giant, scary, menacing beasts with multiple horns to this weak, little, fleshy human thing that has no natural defenses. Duh. Um, Cut to Cassie. Kind of a freaking cliffhanger right there. Nice. Cassie gets a fire going. That's right. Women invented fire. (laughs) Oh, this this is the start of the firsties. Yeah. So anyways, um, they are literally, like, cooking with fire now. They actually got a fire going, They're which is super exciting. T-Rex meat, which is metal as fuck. It's so fucking metal. And then <laughs> they're also making it into, like, T-Rex jerky for later. My like, God. fuck yeah, guys. Fuck yeah. Shit. This is amazing. And Cassie got the whole fire going with, like, I think Drew said this earlier, with, like, part of dinosaur guts and a stick. Like, fuck yeah, guys. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> So excited about this. Jake is the one that mentions that it does not taste like chicken. It apparently tastes a little bit like swordfish, which was... Here's here's the thing. Did not see that coming. Yeah. I assume that the closest comparison you could draw to, like, present day is, like, alligator. Mmm. Which I I was told that more aquatic reptiles taste more like fish. 
So I, I bought that. I, I have had gator before, but it was so covered in pepper that all I tasted was pepper. So I can't attest to that personally, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, see, just saying that makes sense in the way that this book was written because they kept talking about them as giant lizards and like, you know, giant liz like crocodiles that sort of stuff. So that makes sense in the context of this book. That's accurately speaking is not necessarily true because it's very difficult to believe right. these giant creatures would be cold blooded. But that is an argument for oh. another day. Also, they're related to birds, which would be chickens. Yeah. It would probably taste like chicken. Stepping around this argument. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be entertaining at all. That was a tangent. I want to play that like throughout the rest of the podcast. <laughs> like, I want to use that sound clip for so many things. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, no, this leads to my favorite fucking conversation of this whole book. Which is Marco saying to every single thing they do, the first ever thing. So he's like, ah, yes, the first ever fire. Ah, yes, the first ever smoked meat. Ah, yes, the first ever time anybody's ever complained about smoked meat. Like, it just goes on and on, and I love it so much. Like, Marco's the worst slash the best. (laughs) (laughs) He's trash. He is so good. I love it. Um... Yeah, so after Marco finishes his tirade of them doing the first thing ever, uh, it cuts. They, they talk about the plan for the night. So they're going to go on different watches. They, of course, make it two hours because they're the Animorphs, and all of our time limits are two hours. And um, right. Cassie and Axe are going to be on the first watch. And when they turn away from the fire to keep their eyes adjusted appropriately, of course, they notice a giant comet streaking across the sky, and Cassie and Axe... <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> and a giant foreshadowing. There's element. a giant foreshadowing crossing the sky. <laughs> That's a problematic. Let me just whip around the sun real quick, and then I'll be back. <laughs> Cassie and X have a bonding moment talking about how both humans and Andalites had used to have superstitions about comets being bad omens because we didn't have enough foreshadowing stuck on there. Cut back to Tobias. So, um, yeah. Tobias watches this pack hunting them, and he very quickly assesses the situation, because for whatever reason, this is Tobias time. We are on his <laughs> elemental thing right now happening in the book, and he's like, just as I thought, the leaders in the West pack, they're hunting us in a pincer motion. We have to run to the tree line to break <sighs> their, their eyesight, or their eye line from each other so that they cannot follow us in these groups, as effectively anyways. So um, they run towards the trees with these raptors that can run multiple miles per hour more than humans can, chasing them down. Yeah, somehow Rachel stays ahead Yeah, in bare feet, carrying a hawk. Like, come on. <laughs> but whatever, she makes it. Probably she's a gymnast, which is weirdly brought up ten times in this book, even though the past ten books haven't mentioned it once. <laughs> so, anyways. <laughs> so true. I know, right? Like, it was a weird, like... They used to mention it every book, and then that totally tapered off. And now in this book, like, ten times, they're like, she's a gymnast, she's a gymnast, she's a gymnast. Anyways, um, Rachel makes it to the tree line, and uh, she went full puke practice here and pukes at the bottom of the tree. Which Tobias is like, yeah, she pukes at the bottom of the tree. I missed that. Okay, whatever. You know what? I missed it in every other read-through until this one. And then I, I, like... For whatever reason, I guess because I was taking notes, I was like, holy shit, really? But yeah, she pukes at the bottom of the tree, and he has her throw him up into this tree above her puke, 
and he misses the first time. I know, right? No, it's it's gonna pay off, you guys. Give it a minute. This is gonna pay what off. It does. It does. It totally does. Just hang on. So she throws him up into the tree. It takes two tries. He hangs on. She runs further into the wood to start going grizzly. The pack of Deinonychus come up to the tree, and Tobias's plan works. The scent distraction worked, and they sniff the puke, which is why the raptor went under the tree, and he landed on it. How the fuck did I miss that? I wrote no notes for any of this portion of the book. You weren't wrong. My next note is notes. they acquire the T Rex. Oh, jeez, you skipped way ahead. Oh yeah, no, none of this was important to me. Oh, see, oh, I, but Tobias was the first one who had the idea to acquire the fucking dinosaur, which I was screaming about for like twenty minutes beforehand. Oh yeah, he totally did, and this was how he trapped it was with her puke. I, I'm I'm just nodding, which is very bad for an audio medium. But I am just nodding emphatically right now. How did I miss this? Okay, I, anyway. I swear to God, I have never noticed this before until this read-through. And I've read this book, like, more... I'm in the double digits with this book right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was crazy. But yeah, okay. so that's why it went under the tree, which before I never... I thought it was, like, walking under and he just, like, dropped on it. But no, it was, like, yeah. sniffing her puke. And he was like, ah, perfect, she puked, this will be a scent distraction. And he drops onto it and acquires it. Fuck. Oh, man. Um, And then the next chapter is also Tobias' perspective, but it's just him morphing the Deinonychus and getting taken over by its instincts. So, yeah. I was like, fucking finally, somebody did it. Yeah, he did, finally. And he loses control of the morph immediately. Like, this thing is way too much for him. All right. Let's uh let's cut back to where Drew took notes. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> they Jake, acquired the T Rex. <laughs> they acquired the T Rex. Yeah, we cut back to Jake's perspective, um, and he wakes up. He is greeted by this crazy world. It was not a dream. And Axe says, "I've recalibrated my sense of time, and you have been asleep for an hour and fifty three minutes." Which that one comment never is never mentioned again, but threw me for a loop. Because of the morphing timeline and how long they can stay and morph. Like, is this longer? Is this a few seconds difference? Is this a few minutes difference? Like, I just don't know. I, th- I went into a thing. But, um... Did... Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. What? Tell me. I was gonna say, like, he said, like, the world rotates around the sun at a slower pace than normal. Or the, the world turns on its axis slower than what he's used to. Is that actually right. true? I believe it is because i believe the comet when it hit actually sped up the rotation oh. of the earth oh fuck because okay. when superman came into this and went backwards what? around the world oh god <laughs> sorry I could never have done that i figured we had drew here i could just throw that reference out no you absolutely can but like x <laughs> it wasn't says good. that light was clearly an energy explosion and and like i really don't think they hit on like this explosion that they saw that hard they didn't. They were like, they mentioned it in passing. It's like, yeah, no, it's barely mentioned. Barely, yeah. Yep. But it is the linchpin in which this story swings. Yeah, and this is like the first hint that we get. And like this far into the book, this is the first hint we get that anything else other than a dinosaur adventure is going on. So Basically, it's like, everyone, everyone, get in here. Uh, we almost missed an opportunity to... To acquire this T-Rex, they acquire the T-Rex, mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so yes, uh, Axe recalibrates the sense of time, blah, 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 Jake goes to pee, there's explosions in the distance, which Jake just writes off, um, and then he realizes that there's a stampede of long-necked dinosaurs coming towards them, and a T-Rex in hot pursuit. So he does everybody run towards the river, but they are quickly overtaken, the T-Rex catches up to a long-necked dinosaur right above him and kills it, and it falls on top of Jake, and he is pinned. Cut to Rachel. Rachel is under attack. The raptors are leaping at her. One kind of comes at her from the side, and she slashes it down and kills it. So the leader reconfigures his group and goes for another hit when a newcomer arrives. This new raptor leaps at Rachel and tears her chest wide open, but superficially. Also, she's kinda. a bear. Oh, yeah. She morphed into a grizzly at this point. My bad. <laughs> she's not, like, taking one down as a person. Right. When to my, we got distracted by the puke thing, but Rachel was morphing into yeah. a grizzly as she was running away from the puke. So... Okay. Sorry, the puke took up Just way saying. more than her morphing the grizzly. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, this this newcomer slashes her across the chest, and then it starts a fight for dominance with the actual leader of the pack. That's when she notices that this newcomer has torn strips of fabric on its arm, and it's Tobias. So she's like, Tobias, fight it, fight it. You're Come on, like, you're a human, you're a human. And he is, meanwhile, ignoring her completely, fighting this Deinonychus, through some crazy measure of luck, he gets underneath it, slices it, and wins this battle. And then he's closing in on Rachel, who's still screaming, you're a human, you're a human. And then she's like, nah, fuck, he's not a human. She's like, you're a hawk. And that's when he, like, snaps to and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a hawk. So that's that battle. Um, I'm a bird. I'm a bird. I'm a real bird. So <laughs> come back to Jake, who is pinned. This T-Rex starts eating this dead dinosaur that's pinning his legs down. And through some lucky bite... This T-Rex lifts this thing off of Jake, and his legs get free. So he rolls out of there and tries to run, but the movement of him starting to run distracts the T-Rex, and it just closes its mouth down Idiot. around him. I know, right? I was like, at this point, I'm like, take a drink every time an Animorph is in a dinosaur's mouth. That would be like, what? How many drinks? <laughs> this is like, I think it's like number three at this point. Yeah. I was just like, I hope they all get eaten before the end of this book. There's there's a lot of vor going on in this book. <laughs> oh, God. No. Anyways. Um, yeah, so the T-Rex closes its mouth around Jake, and he is stuck in there, like, has freaking teeth through his one shoulder, is holding himself in its mouth, and in a weird, like, kind of dragon heart maneuver, the T-Rex tries to <laughs> swallow him, and he just holds himself in its mouth. <laughs> It's literally like Dragonheart, where he stabs the dragon through the roof of the mouth of the sword, and he's like, I can't close my mouth, because it's Sean Connery. And he's like, well, if you let me out, then I won't stab you through the brain. And like, you know, <laughs> anyways, that was a weird reference. Why did you let me go there? I don't know. <laughs> anyways, um, so he starts acquiring this T-Rex internally, and screaming and crying and morphing into a T-Rex. And he realizes as he gets bigger towards T-Rex size, he's getting closer to the teeth. So he moves further into the T-Rex's throat, but then the T-Rex is like, oh shit, something's growing inside my throat. And so he like horks up Jake onto the ground, who's just like covered in spit and disgusting, but Jake ruptured something in its throat. So it's like moaning and groaning and then collapses to the ground with this like crazy labored breathing. And that's when they finally, everybody gets the opportunity to acquire a T-Rex. It only just occurred to them. All right. We got a lot to get through. So I'm going to keep going. Um, so 
Marco. We cut to Marco's perspective. They're walking along after Jake gets up from his passing out, because after this T-Rex acquiring thing happens, Jake's just collapsed to the ground for a few minutes, and after a while they get him up and they're like, let's keep going. Um, so Marco makes them feel better by saying like, hey you guys, you do realize that Rachel and Tobias might not be dead. Um, and they're like, what? And Marco's like, cause you know, to kill Rachel, it would have to be something bigger and meaner than her. And with all the dinosaurs we've met, none of them are as big and mean as Rachel. And they all like, <laughs> they're all like, ha 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 ha. Okay. This is what I mean by like, Marco's really upbeat in this book. Like normally he'd be like, oh yeah, those fuckers are dead. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Maybe, remember when Rachel said that thing about Marco's mom at the end of his book? Oh, yeah. He thought it was just to make her him feel better. Maybe it's like he like took something from that and now he's applying it now. Aw, that would be really sweet. I love him. Okay, now we are back towards Axe breaks it to them that that lightning that they saw was totally artificial. It was not real lightning. Um, and then that's when he goes off about different Andalite seeing in different wavelengths, like into the ultraviolet and some other spectrum. Um, Fucking Axe. He always, like, brings these things up, like, at a later date, and everyone's like, what the fuck, man? Why are you holding out on us? Right? This is the first of many fucking instances of this in this book. It truly is. Um, And then, like, while Axe is going through this whole thing, like, nobody is even paying attention to him. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so they walk along, there's a canyon ahead of them, they walk towards the edge of it, and that's when they look down and they see a giant city inside of the canyon. Yes! Yes, we made it. At this point, I was like, oh my god, I hope it's the Pemelites. And they did, they they asked if it could be the Pemelites, because they were trying to figure out what alien civilization it was. They're like, the only one that's old enough that we know of is the Pemelites. I was like, yay! Yeah. But it wasn't. To be. Yep. And now we cut to the worst two chapters in the entire fucking book. Um, Nope. Oh, they are. They're the worst. Nope. They're my worst. What chapters are? Nope. This is Tobias and Rachel. (laughs) Oh, I liked these. (laughs) Okay, well, okay. These are not the worst chapters in the book, but they are... I mean, they're not great, but I mean, as chapters go. They're they're the worst because of the callback value to past terrible circumstances. Not like the worst written or anything, but like callback values, the worst. (laughs) Okay, so we get Tobias's perspective first. Um, He and Rachel are wandering around. Tobias was able to somehow wrangle one of the Deinonychus into submission to let Rachel acquire it. And then he snarled at the pack until they left. Uh, they, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Rachel just talks about breakfast foods for a good three paragraphs. And then Tobias is like, uh, there's probably some fucking shit growing in a tree. Let's knock it down and do it. See, I thought it was hilarious that Rachel is so fucking hangry and just like talking madly about breakfast. And Tobias is just staring at her face, admiring how beautiful she is. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I thought it was fucking that... hilarious. I, it's, it and is now you hilarious. know what it's like to be a dude. <laughs> She's fucking it's having awful. a meltdown over here. <laughs> but damn, she looks good. Um, two, they see some shit grown in a tree. Rachel knocks it down with a rock. It's basically a coconut. They don't ever tell us what it really is, but it's basically a coconut. Um, so 
while that's all happening, Tobias is, like, looking over and notices this giant sail of, like, bright red and green and shit next to them. And then he's like, oh, that's a... I know what this is called. And he slowly starts snapping and goes, Gala, Gala, Gallimimus. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it's a Spinosaurus. So Rachel starts morphing. Tobias is like, what the fuck are you doing? Because he's riding on her shoulder. And then she's like, I'm morphing, duh. And so he's like, well, fuck the broken arm. Let's morph again into a Deinonychus. That's when they realize there's another one behind them. So we cut to Rachel's perspective, who is just like, attack! And Tobias is like, no. And she's like, attack! So she jumps at it, leaves like tiny little scratches down its side. And she's like, well... Okay, just run! This is bad! Attacking won't work! What the fuck? And, uh, These things are like ten times too bigger than us. Yeah, easily. Very Spinosaurus easily. Spinosaurus are bigger than T-Rexes. I think they're certainly longer. But yeah, they, uh, they are. Yeah. I don't know if they're taller. With, with the fin, they are. But without they the fin, I don't They are comparable size. They are very T-Rex. comparable to a T-Rex. Um, but that's when this weird, flaky, red-skinned monster steps out of the bushes with this weird, like, burnt skin, and it's carrying a gun that it just shoots at the Spinosaurus, and it the thing falls over, stunned, like, completely knocked out. And then, like, this weird creature thing starts giving them orders, and it claims to be a Nesk, and it says, we own everything, we own the dinosaurs, what are you doing here? And, it, like, they don't really know what to do, but Rachel's like, well, I've fought aliens before, I'll fight them again. So she mentions she's a gymnast for no particular reason, jumps on one foot, and does a weird spin to knock it over with her tail. <laughs> she fucking... Like, like, Walker, Texas Rangers, this fucking thing. I, yeah. And then uh, she's, like, horrified when this thing just falls in half, and she's like, oh, I just meant to knock it over. Uh, really jumps the shark. Yeah, it really does. It got, got a little bonkers. No, this is the point where it just goes, like, off the rails. Because this could have been a great book about dinos, and then we got back to our real time. Yeah, this is where, like, I was like, oh, there's something else happening in this book that I'm supposed to care about. Yeah, Space. I checked out a little bit at this point. Space. Oh, mom! <laughs> yeah. So she chops this thing in half with her tail, and then it just, like, recompiles into this figure. And so she bites it, and it's made of ants! Nightmare! Yeah! That are now crawling in her nose and eyes. This is the second time Rachel has had ants all crawling in her body, eating her. Ew. What the- Yeah, it happens. You know what? Fuck the Yurks. The ants are the true evil in these (laughs) fucking books. The animals should pivot at this point to fight the ants. Um, Yeah, priorities, yo. So that's where we leave Rachel. And this is, I think, where the timelines start to converge onto the same part. Like, we're now very... I have a note on that, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I'm glad you thought so, too. Not incorrect. Um, Yeah, so we cut to Cassie. And she is freaking out about losing people because this is, I think, the first time she was really able to, like, focus on anything other than surviving. Um, But she sees this giant thing below her and is like, I don't want to lose anyone else, so I volunteer to scout out this city alone. And Jake is like, no, let's just do it together. So they all turn into birds of prey to fly over the city. And, of course, right as they're taking off, like, what can or probably arguably comp the negasis come up and try to like jump at them and eat them 
but they just take off and they're fine. Um, they are looking over this whole town while Marco is singing the Flintstones theme song to us all. Thank you, Marco. So they're looking at this crazy abandoned, or well, it's not abandoned. This crazy advanced city is what I wrote. So they're at this crazy advanced town. And they just see these crab people all over the ground with these weird-ass fucking pincers. So, like, they... I'll do a quick description of them. So I basically imagine them like um, a parasect from Pokemon, but they have... (gasps) (laughs) Right? They have three giant legs... Or four giant legs at the back. Three giants at the back? I don't know. They have a shit ton of legs at the back that are huge and a shit ton in the front that are tiny. And they walk forward towards these tiny legs... And coming out the back, they also have, like, a claw machine pincer that you use to, like, grab prizes from the bottom of machines. And then in the front, (laughs) for real, it's this three-pronged pincer. And then at the front, they have these tiny little delicate (laughs) human hands. Yeah, they got, like, man arms or something. They got man arms! That's not how I pictured them at all, but all right. (laughs) <laughs> like super buff man arms with like little tiny hands yeah. like those little doll hands that you put on your fingers like the <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that vine no oh it's like a guy or a person that i don't know who fuck i, I forgot <laughs> it's a humanoid vine. creature there's a vine Good about vine. this r.i.p <laughs> Oh, but yeah, it they they're just these weird ass things, and they range from like green to red. So I'm just, of course, picturing like bell pepper colors. Like I don't know, delicious crap people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciated that so much. That'll be in my head forever. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So like, this is fucked up crab people. Um, but then they're very distracted because they're attacked by pterosaurs, not tranodonts. They're pterosaurs. They're pterosaurs. Tobias. I'm gonna let you keep going, but, like, basically my notes skip to, like, Arts of the Crabs or Versus the Nesk. Like, I skipped all this stuff. Oh, all the, um, ancillary town stuff and our, our great meeting? It didn't mean anything. This is more about them meeting up and, I think, establishing what side they're gonna be on. All I want to do is start yelling about what happens 10 minutes in the future, so by all means, just go ahead. Okay, okay, I'm on it. Um, so, cut to Tobias. He is stomping on the ants very quickly with his funny little dinosaur feet, which is adorable. This seems to work. They retreat, um, and then they get fired upon, and they look up, and there's a spaceship that's just tailing them and firing on them. So they take off, and this ship puts a tube suction vacuuming thing down sucks up all the ants and then starts firing at them and they quickly realize that this thing could totally hit them whenever it wanted so they're being herded towards a location so tobias seeing a herd of trikes up ahead goes ahead and leapfrogs off the back of one to get a better view and he sees that they're steering them into this wall of ants so instead of going into this wall of ants they turn left towards the sheer drop off and go running towards it and they know what that it's going to be a drop of some sort. They don't really know how far it is, but it's better than the ants. So they jump off, and Tobias's last view before he starts falling is a peregrine and a pterosaur. Cut to Jake. So Jake is leading them on this crazy death maneuver out of this canyon because the pterosaurs are, like, you know, flying down, trying to attack all of these birds and hunt them. When he notices two Deinonychus falling off the cliff and grabbing onto the sides... He doesn't really take much note of it until one of them goes, Rachel, grab a hold of something. Like she wasn't fucking trying to do that already. And he's like, Tobias. And Tobias is like, Jake. 
And, uh, hey, the hey. <laughs> Um, Yeah, and then there's some very confusing sort of note. Like, I didn't quite get what was going on in the scene, but basically Rachel's tumbling down. Tobias has, I guess, grabbed onto a flying pterosaur. Rachel tumbles into a <laughs> nest. I know, it's very confusing. It's fucking cartoony. It's very cartoony. Um, and then Rachel ends up somehow with two pterosaurs, which one she has by the legs, the other one by the neck somehow, and they hit something abruptly midair and splat out. Like, they just hit this force field in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, so, everybody lands on it. There's a very happy reunion. Cassie tries to go hug Rachel, even though Cassie is an osprey and Rachel is a dinosaur. <laughs> That's adorable! And then a mysterious third party starts talking to them out of the force field. God? <laughs> we God, is that you? <laughs> Uh, we we cut to Axe, who is like, thank God, a force field. This is brilliant. And then the alien species introduces themselves to him as the Markora. So we find out that our good guys slash crab people are the Markora. And obviously we hate the Nesk, who are ants, because we hate ants. They ask what they are. And because it's 65 million years in the past, they're like, well, we're humans in an Andalite. Because who the fuck knows what that means anyways? So they're like, okay, let's demorph. Like, Yurks aren't even going to be around for a long-ass fucking time. So they start demorphing, and then Rakora asks where they're from, and I think it's Cassie that starts to explain, or Axe goes from the future. And they all make fun of Axe, like, oh, great, yeah, Jake couldn't have explained that any better. From the future. <laughs> exactly. And then the Rakora asks what planet, and Cassie starts saying Earth, and Tobias cuts her off, and he says, whatever they ask you, do not say you are from this planet. Cut to Marco. Foreshadowing. Cut to Marco. Um, in this chapter, we get the history of the Nesk and Marcora War, and the Animorphs are debating what to do. There's really not much going on other than conversation, and the fact that we find out Broccoli was from outer space! The Broccoli! You mentioned... Dun, dun, dun. Dun. I like Broccoli as a kid. I don't, I don't accept I the kids too. don't like Broccoli. I did too. But, Alex, you mentioned the broccoli to me in an earlier episode, and you were like, remember this. And I was like, this is the moment. This is the moment. Broccoli's delicious, though. Broccoli's from outer space. I think that was book it, one. It's absolutely <laughs> just fine. It is a fine vegetable. It's better with teriyaki sauce, but it's all right. At this point, I wrote down Makora versus Nesk, and then drew what seems to be two fingers pointing at each other with a invisible barrier in between them nice and that was my notes that's basically what happened the nest can't get to the Markora because they're force fields and the Markora don't have the necessary battlements to attack the nest so they're at a standstill it's the classic like offensive versus defensive uh -huh. technology I situation to say. yeah yeah exactly and then they, this is kind of where they start talking about recreating the stereo rip. Um, it starts... I, I was going to say, like, my next note is they talk, they start talking about the time travel situation. Yeah. But they don't bring up the three other fucking times that they have time traveled. Yep. Wait, what? They, so, They've time traveled three times now. I mean, technically, I think... It was time travel when they went. Okay, so the first one, of course, is the book where they had the other stereo. Rip. They went to the future. Uh, they uh, the cube like character uh, takes them to the future, and they change the history and oh, oh the, the Elemist. I don't right. count the Elemist. <laughs> yeah, the Elemist is kind of like it's. And you could say that that is like an illusion made by the cube like character. 
I mean, yeah, yeah that's that's fair. I didn't think of the Elemist right away because it didn't equate to to the stereo rip for me. But you're absolutely right. They have tra- time travel timed. I'm drunk. Hello. <laughs> Excellent. And then the next time that they time travel is uh, two lasers hit each other and they cause a stereo rift. Mm-hmm. That's the. Did we determine if that was time gotten. travel though? Ah, uh, it's a stereo rift. I mean, I mean, it was... what are you gonna do? Whatever. And then you have to Tobias yeah. going back in time to reacquire himself. Oh, see, yeah. I thought the the third time you're so talking about the three times that they have time traveled. They don't remember. My brain hurts. They don't remember the Syria rip the first time. It, well, Jake oh, remembers no, it, but no, nobody Axe and Jake do. Axe and Jake absolutely believe Axe that doesn't, it happened. Though, but Jake told him about it, and Axe was like, "Oh yeah, Syria rip. That's a thing." But like he doesn't. Well, no, Axe believes it because of the things that Axe told him during the Serio rift. Because how would Jake know about that kind of stuff? So Jake's the only one that has full but, memory of the first Serio rip, and the, so basically yeah. they have some sort of ideal that uh, time travel is a thing that's possible. Yeah. Uh, they know that it could happen from two lasers hitting each other, mm-hmm. or two Teddy Ruxpins like meeting in a bad way. <laughs> Um, so time travel is kind of easy. And then, um, because of the future rift with the, uh, Q-like character, um, they know that you can change future time by changing things in the past. Yes. You know what doesn't make sense now that I'm thinking about it? All of this? Okay. Okay. A lot. A (laughs) lot happens in the next, like, two pages of my notes that does not make sense. Yeah. Okay. But the first serial rip that happened... It happened when the two lasers hit each other. So they'd stolen the bug fighter and they were flying it around. It happened when the two lasers hit each other. But the time that the snapback happens was when Jake landed in the alleyway before they even stole the bug fighter. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So like, why did they pick that time to snap back when it should have been the time like right before the serial rope happened? Right, what it should have been fuck? back in the moment where the two bug that's fighters a, were that's facing. That's an Alex question. Um, I don't have to defend the whole series. I just have to point out. I just, I just on. thought of that right now. Like, oh man. Okay, defending this whole series is an impossible task. I can. <laughs> 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 um, honestly, I think the only reason that he snapped back to that moment was because that was when Jake died in the jungle. Because the only reason that that serial rip got fixed was because they all died. And so it the two timelines were running congruent right. to each other. And the point where the serial rip yep. was recreated by the bug fighters shooting each other, that would have been when the timelines For sure. imploded. So as long as they died before that imploded, they were oh. good. And he just happened to die at that point in time. Okay, but you are the Animorphs right now here where they are. And you don't go, hey guys... Last time I time traveled, and I know you guys don't remember this, but Axe kind of believes me. This is kind of what went down. And also, we did this with the, and I, I'm not going to mispronounce his name, so I'm going to continue to call him the Q-like character. Mm-hmm. We did change something in the past, and it did change something in the future. The Elemist is more, though, like a guided tour of time. Like... Things are fine when yeah, the Elemist like, is in control because he's Q. Sure, because he's, he's God. Q. Yeah, yeah. He does whatever but he wants. Here's here's my point. Jake knew this was a stereo rip, and in order to correct the last stereo rip, they all had to die. 
because neither can live while the other survives. Harry Potter rules. So you're wondering why Jake didn't just start murdering <laughs> so everyone in the like, group? So why didn't Jake be like, let's all get fucking eaten by a T-Rex while die and then correct everything? Because it was too need to far... to find whatever is alcohol on this planet and then get drunk and kill it. <laughs> well, that's what I have written down here in my pocket. <laughs> I mean... I really think it was because of the the amount of time that had passed. So, like, the last time, the reason the timelines were unstable was because they were overlapping timelines within 24 hours. This one, they were so far in the past that there was no problem with destabilizing the timelines, and they could live in this history, at this era, for as long as they could survive. Like, there was no risk of them, like basically disrupting the entire space-time continuum because they both existed during well, the same time. There's oh. still the question of whether they can change time or whether they cannot yeah. change time. Because that's a big thing. Okay, here. but here's the thing. Whether whether or not this is fate, and and fate is going to happen no matter whatever. Yeah. I mean, no, no, there's two ways to take this. There's fate, and whatever happened is going to happen. Or there is... We can change the future by changing the past. I hate this. They argue both sides in this book. That's what drives me nuts. Is like half the team is like anything we do now, any rodent I hunt now could be the one that links to Homo sapiens in the future. We could destroy the entire planet. But then there's also at the same time Absolutely. Tobias flips and he's like, we've already done everything. Everything's in history. So anything we do oh. here, we've already done and we're good. I don't even want to touch Tobias yet. I want you to get through the rest of this book so I can get deep into what Tobias did here. Fuck. Because, okay. like, I've drawn several pictures and, like, made a graph. Oh, damn. Oh, my God. Okay, so do you want me to, to start reading through chapters again if you, so we can get there? I, yeah, if you could just push through this okay. so I could just go off, that would be great. You, you got it. Because, like, it. I've been waiting for this since, like, noon. Okay, so, um, right. Uh, the blah, 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 space-time continuum might be consequences. Cut to Axe's perspective. Axe lets Jake know that he's not exactly sure when or where to set off the nuke to close the stereo rip, which Jake really should have remembered from the last time there was a fucking stereo rip that Axe slept through this, and this was the whole problem last time, Jake. Come on, Jake. <laughs> We've been through this. <laughs> Anyways, moving right along. Um, so they're going to go steal a nuke at dawn because that's what you do at dawn. Um, and, uh, and so they go, they go, they go, they're they go. left standing in the, they go to the next the compound. Woods. They go to the, to the, uh, Nesk compound cut to Cassie. Cassie doesn't want to be here doing this at all. She hates it. Rachel is like, I'm super jealous. Of your T-Rex morph. And Cassie's like, I don't <sighs> understand this about you, Rachel. And then she says she Same. likes the Mercores. <laughs> See, I'm like, I want a T-Rex. Cassie's like, I like the Mercora's nonviolence. Tobias points out that they don't seem to have a problem with other people being violent for them. And then Cassie morphs T-Rex. Cut to Marco. Marco, um, along with everybody else morphing T-Rex, because of course they have not fully done this morph before. Jake's only half-assed done it. Uh, they get completely taken over by the instincts. We're not expecting this at all. They see Tobias and Rachel standing there. They're already morphed to Deinonychus. We're all good. And uh, Tobias and Rachel take off running with these guys bounding after them. And Tobias and Rachel are screaming, like, get a hold of yourselves. Reassert your dominant personality. You know, all that sort of <laughs> stuff. Then they double back on the T-Rexes because they are intelligent humans and can think of this game plan. The T-Rexes go right past them. They're confused for a second, but then there's prey. So they start going after these Triceratops that are in front of them. Just wild, normal Triceratops. 
And Marco kind of snaps back right as this Triceratops turns to face and battle him. Marco gets completely knocked over. He gets gored a few times. Another T-Rex jumps on the Triceratops that's goring him and kills it. That's Jake. Cut to Jake's perspective. Jake is now realizing that there's only one member of their crew that is still completely unhinged as a T-Rex. Is Cassie, which is going to be problematic momentarily. (laughs) It's such a bummer, but it doesn't have to be like you can skip part... You can skip past this part of the uh, story very quickly, but it's such a big deal. Like, you don't have to, like, weigh this as much as it is, but it is a huge deal. I definitely wanted to talk about it a little bit just because it is a huge deal. Like, it, it's it's important to Cassie and her character and the conversations in right. the rest of the books. Cassie is hunting this Triceratops. She takes it down... She starts eating this Triceratops, and then Jake goes up to her and is like, Cassie, come on, Cassie, get control, and she's not doing it. So he starts demorphing, and everyone else is screaming like, oh my god, she's a T-Rex, she's out of control, what are you doing? But Jake's like, no, she'd never hurt me. So he demorphs to himself, and Cassie does kind of reassert as Jake becomes human, and she's immediately horrified at what she's done. And uh, Jake starts morphing back. Cassie's like, I need out of this morph. And Jake goes, no, we have a mission. You have to stay. So Cassie's like, I don't want to be this monster anymore. I don't. I killed this beautiful, beautiful creature. And everybody tries to comfort her by saying, it's just a, a triceratops. Like, it's just, you're a predator. It happens to all of us. It's fine. It's fine. And Cassie brings up this point of like, It's not, though. And as human beings and as people who have this awareness, we have the ability and we should seek a better future, one where we don't have to do these horrific things to animals and to people and we can treat everybody well. And if I don't think of this better future where everybody's at this optimistic place, then I'm no better than a gangbanger or a Nazi or a yerk. So, um, yeah, Cassie just goes on this rant and Marco was, they expected him to kind of make a snide reply to this. But he just privately says to Jake, I can see why you like her. Ah! <laughs> yes. So, spoiler alert. All the fucking dinosaurs are gonna die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> How dare you? That's the spoiler I mean, I that it. no one but... on this planet knew. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, no. oh my god, like, what a point to bring up as a an almost Get throwaway. Get I know. It doesn't matter in two seconds. In two seconds, Tobias makes a decision that makes this it's not a, even it's important. It's a very powerful point. Okay, but we will revisit this in the next Not Megamorphs book. Okay, the only... I, For sure, the, whatever. So they break in. Moment. All right, right. They get to and the they base. they get through a wall. We cut to Axe's perspective. What, <laughs> Drew really wants like to talk missile. about fusion. Yep. They t- and they take it with them. Let's talk about missiles. Yep. Missiles. Axe and Rachel bust and into a shed and steal a like, missile. <laughs> and Axe is all like, hey, hey, crab people, we need help. And they're there instantaneously. No, it takes a few minutes because Tobias gets shot and he has to be carried by Cassie as a T-Rex. And also thought speech detectors, they have them. The Andalites don't even have them. How are the Nesk more advanced than the Andalites? I don't know. We don't ever visit that again. Doesn't matter. It is kind of fucked up. Yeah. Nope. Um, so they get back to the Nesk, and the Nesk are all like, all right, we got this missile. Let's do this weird dance where we rip off a leg. 
But you guys can't rip off a leg. That's mm-hmm. weird. Yep, Jake. Well, you missed the part where Jake gets blown in half. That's how we find out the Mercora have come oh, to okay. save them. Because Jake gets blown in half, and oh. then they go to take the last shot to kill him. There's a force field over him. That's the Mercora. They have come in and saved them at the last moment, even though they said they would not. Um, the Nesk and the Mercora fire at each other and mutually blow up ships. And that's when they're at a standoff. The Animorphs demorph. The Nesk think, okay, they've got crazy allies now. So they back down and leave. The Mercora pick them up. They get on the ship. And that's when they, they realize that they're all missing the claws. And they have that conversation of, like, this is how we say, like, represent that we are in pain and mourning for the people that are lost because it's wrong to kill. It's wrong to be killed. The Nesk didn't deserve this. The Mercora didn't deserve this. Blah, blah, blah. There's an altar with a bunch of claws on it. Um, that's when they, Cassie starts saying they have to, you know, they can't regenerate limbs. The Mercora say you carry the pain on the inside. Rachel says that they owe them and to let them know if there's anything they can do. And Tobias says, don't promise shit that you do not intend to deliver on. Damn, damn. Tobias knows what's up. From the Nesk perspective, uh, they lost three ships in this whole incursion. Uh Uh-huh. So, uh, the Nesk immediately decide to evacuate the planet and then, uh, pull this comet to destroy the entire planet? Yup. That's their deal. Yep. That's how they do it. That is how <laughs> they're they do like, it. They're like, oh shit, we lost three of our several thousand ships. Let's blow up the entire Earth. If you can't have it, then no one can. Or if we can't have it. They yeah. suck at battle. They stood down from a battle that they Babies. could clearly win. There was only two Mercora Clearly. Ships. Literally, like, the, the, the briefest amount of uh, opposition. Huh? Boom. We are out. Yeah. And then um, shit gets even crazier because they pull this asteroid, meteor, whatever, into an alignment with uh, the Mercora colony. Exactly. Hi, I'm the, I'm the comment and I'm back. <laughs> I was... I was here earlier, and now I'm back, and I'm getting sucked into the planet. Oh, we were, we were missing alien voices on our podcast. I'm so glad. <laughs> Makora, shit's coming towards their colony. They are like, hey, our only way to defend ourselves is to blow this thing up, but we know that you this is your ticket home to use this nuke, so we don't want to ask for it. And uh, they like have to vote on whether or not to give it to them. And Tobias privately thought speaks acts and uh, basically starts giving him instructions, but we don't know what they are. All we know is that Tobias and Axe voted to hand over the nuke, as well as Cassie and Jake. And Rachel and Marco, of course, were like, no, that's ours! Because predictability. So, um, yeah. Cut to Cassie. Tobias immediately gives up the jig. He is like, okay, now that the Mercora are gone with our missile or whatever... Let's morph bird and get out of here before the comet hits. And Cassie's like, what do you mean before it hits? And they're like, uh, well, we accidentally made it a dud. And also it's going to blow up the planet. So we got to get the fuck out of here as fast as possible. This is how the dinosaurs were wiped out. So we have to let this happen. We can't change history. So based on a few toys and a drunk uncle. Uh Uh-huh. Tobias has convinced his friends to commit genocide. Um, basically, so here's the deal. They don't uh, wait, know wait, wait, whether, uh, going back in, no, 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 there's a whole rabbit hole I gotta go down here. But I just want to say, so Tobias didn't convince them. He made the decision on his own. Well, he said, hey, Axe, do this, and okay, Axe did it. Okay, he and Axe. Okay, yes. Okay, rabbit hole, let's do this. Okay. 
they're not 100% sure whether uh, time travel lets them change the past to change the future. Right. Like, they're not sure if it's like a steady timeline or whether the timeline can be changed. So, if the timeline can be changed, then the events that they do back in the past, they matter. Because, like, their choices will affect the future outcome. Mm-hmm. If their choices in the past don't affect the future outcome and fate's going to kind of, like, recorrect whatever they do, then whatever they do is whatever they do and they should make the best moral choice that they can. But if their decisions in the past do matter, well, they should still make the best moral choices they can in the past because that's, like, what they're about. Right. But instead, uh, Tobias decides on genocide. So, like, if you think about this, like, if time travel is really, like, as easy as two lasers shooting and hitting each other at the same time, and that uh, a baby's toy could do it, um, you run into the situation where, like, they're probably an anomaly timeline that didn't happen coming back into the past to make it happen. So, like, basically... Uh, if you go back in time, you should do whatever the fuck you feel like because everyone can go back in time because it's really not that much of a hassle. So, like, it kind of comes down to, um, <laughs> shit. Everyone's <laughs> fucking with time anyways all the time. You should really just do what Tobias did. I mean, you really should be as greedy as fuck when you go back in time because, like, everyone, even the people that don't exist right now, the infinite amount of people that don't exist right now, are going back in time to change the timeline. Does it even matter? Like, everything you do in the past is already done, so everything you do, you already chose to do, so whether it's right or wrong, what does it matter? Well, it could still be changed, Fuck. because, Can like, it? your alternative timeline... No, 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 think about it. Your your alternative timeline of humans existing and all this shit happening with the Andalites and the uh, Yerks, that's just one bit of alternative history that happened because you went back in time. But... Because you went back in time, this comet hit the Earth and wiped out these crab people. So, like, you never existed, except for you existed in an alternate term timeline, and you went back in time, and you you accidentally made it so that your timeline existed. It's super fucked up, because, like, the other version of the timeline where uh, Tobias was wearing a purple shirt the day that this all happened, <laughs> um, that also happened as well, as well as the one where he was a crab person, as well as the per one where, like, he wasn't a person, but, like, there was a crab person named Bobias. Like, it's so fucked up! Like, the time... Timelines don't matter anymore at this point, because he has made a decision to make his Wibbly timeline wobbly. exist. But we know, if we're going by Animorphs rules, we know from the last Serio Rip, yeah. there is a strict timeline. And these two timelines cannot coexist. Like, there is one stream of time. So Tobias could never have made a different decision. Yes. In which case, we have to forgive him. I mean, that's really what I think, is Tobias could never have made a different decision. It would not have mattered. It would have happened. And It's the only way we can forgive him. Otherwise, Drunk Uncle plus Dino Toys... <laughs> Plus, nuclear sub equal genocide. And it's sad that he was the best equipped to handle the situation because of his drunk uncle and dinosaur toys, but I... Okay, yeah. but here's the question. Oh, no. Could have drunk uncle and dino toys existed if he didn't go back in time? I think so. I think it just would have... How? Well, because this, this, he had to go back in time. This asteroid was he not heading to. towards Earth. No, 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 no. 
this asteroid was not heading towards Earth at all until their intervention caused it to head towards Earth. So, basically, you, you end up in a situation where, like, if they had not gone back in time, they would not have called this asteroid to hit the Earth. So then, crab people? I mean, then I and guess there would have been crab people everywhere. But because the so animals means... exist, he had to make that decision. So that means an alternative version of the future can decide yeah. to come back in time and change the past. Which means all versions of the future always exist. Oh, man. Which means it doesn't honestly, fucking matter honestly. what the fuck happened in this book at all. <laughs> you know what? The Elemist is obviously orchestrating this entire <laughs> fucking thing because the Elemist is not biased, uh, not unbiased, and he wants the Animorphs to succeed. So obviously the Elemist is controlling all of this. The end. I mean, you do see it that if, if the Animorphs never came back, that comet would never have hit the Earth. Well, it still might have hit the earth if the Mercora and the Nesk were fighting and the Nesk had done that for a different reason. Okay, yeah, sure. Over three days. I mean, they knew they were capable of doing it. And not that the Nesk Nesk are kind of uh, dumb a little bit. very. Because they won the war and they just didn't win the war. They could have so easily won the war. But Tobias is from an alternative timeline and he came back in time and he decided to change time by having this asteroid hit the earth to create his time and like Uh, uh, this is the next four pages of my notes i mean like literally if you don't want to get into it it's fine no like i want to because the other thing is we know from the time matrix in the andalite chronicles that there are multiple timelines that do exist, but, like, right. so it's it's also contradictory there because we know that there are ways to, like, bring people into different timelines and play on futures, and things are not a serious, like, a, a for sure outcome until they already come to pass, but that means that there's only one point in all of history that is happening at one, like, this exact point in time, but that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make right. any sense. No. <laughs> It gets all timey-wimey, and then also, I I think at some point, Miss Applegate might be just cashing checks. Because if you can't change time, (laughs) that asteroid flies by Earth and does not hit Earth. And, like, again, it was the 90s. They were like, we need a dinosaur book, and she was like, fuck. (laughs) This entire thing was orchestrated by one divine being. Dinosaurs were hot in the 90s. Sharp tooth. Three horns. And then also in my notes on these three pages, I have the words, so, dot, 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 yurks, question mark. Not in this book. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Not here. Don't don't exist in this book. No Visser 3. Not here. Not now. Not in this book. Nothing. Got any more rants in you or or should we finish this bit? I'm just saying that Tobias is, is responsible for a giant genocide for the rest of the books. Yep. He murdered an entire population. He's responsible for the fate of the human And somehow he got Axe to go along with it. He was like, Axe, let's murder all these motherfuckers so our timeline can exist. Which, by the way, Axe our timeline is, cool. is is that we are under slavery by the Yurks and uh, we don't really have a great way out of it. Yep. What if the crab people were the answer to the Yurks? But then the humans would theoretically never exist. Because the dinosaurs oh, well. wouldn't have died. So we wouldn't have a Yerk problem Let's anyways. See. Unless it was a Mercora Yerk problem. Man, we're... Yeah. Could Mercoras even be infested by Yerks? 
All they eat is broccoli. They're a very limited thing. Uh, they're crabs. They have brains. But they, they wouldn't make good hosts because there's not a lot of them. They clearly cannot reproduce very quickly because they're this isolated population that cannot seem to stabilize in this environment. And all they eat is broccoli. So they have a very limited range. Yeah, basically. Pandas. They're like pandas. And Tobias just said, why bother saving the pandas when the whole rest of the world is here? I'm just saying, Tobias should always feel bad when he's checking out Rachel. He does. (laughs) Like. From this point forth. Tobias feels bad constantly for anything ever. And do they wake up the next day and they're like, um, shit, everyone's talking about that nuke that went off. Shit. Not, I mean, kind of. This book absolutely did not matter. You did not have to have this book at all. No, you know, but you know what? It had dinosaurs, and that was important to me. <laughs> Honestly, if we had have just stopped this book right before the whole Mercora and Nesk thing happened, I would have been like, A-plus content, 10 out of 10, fucking on this book. Happy like, camper. I did not need any of this alien bullshit to penetrate my dinosaur Animorphs experience. Okay, I'm going to finish this off because we are on my last page of notes here. So, Tobias orders them to bird morph to fly away. They wait until the ship is taken off, blah, 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 take off out of the force field, and they just fly as long and as far as they possibly can. They fly to the end of the two-hour time limit. They demorph, they remorph, they keep flying. Um, Yeah, Tobias is scene point A to B. He basically is like, this is the decision that had to be made, and that's it. So, um... They end up getting as far as the ocean, which is where they wanted to go. They hit the edge of, like, when the comet is about to hit, and Axe is like, all right, let's 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 go dolphin. So they do. Um, then they wait for the world to end. We cut back to Cassie's perspective. The explosion happens, and it closes the stereo rip, and they are kind of, instead of just snapped back because it's such a long period of time, they are pulled out to see what happens to the planet and in the blink of an eye they see the comet hitting they see everybody dying and incinerating and all the dinosaurs dying and the planet being covered in ash and it's that's no don't no we all know what happens you don't need to like pull the kids out and have it play for them like like a television program like that whatever and the other thing is, is it, like, Axe kind of told us what was going to happen, like, play by play because of, like, the science side of it just before this. Mm-hmm. And I would have been fine with just Axe's explanation, which was still dark and still, like, poignant. And it just, it didn't need this. Um, yeah, so then they basically, they wake up kind of right where they started, right by the sub. They head home in a daze. They go and they watch the news and they see news of like there was a shipwreck, but there were no casualties. The thing exploded, but no one died. They're like, cool. Um, Cassie tries morphing a T-Rex. It doesn't work. She and Jake meet up to discuss if it was the right move or if it should have been the crab people that were existing right now. And they basically decide they have no fucking idea. And that's the end of the book, other than Tobias getting sassy about dinos. Oh my god, that was like peak meta. Yeah, okay, so the last bit of the book is a paragraph by Tobias where he basically says, here are the dinosaurs that were in this book. And some scientists will tell you that they died out mid-Cretaceous and didn't live to the end of the Cretaceous, but I was there. So who are you going to believe, them or me? Sass. We're going to believe the scientists. This is what really happened, kids. (laughs) Believe your good buddy Tobias. That was this book, as everybody I think has stated, completely unnecessary. 
Amazing. Amazing. I'm glad this was my book. (laughs) You know, there was something about it that I was like, Drew needs to do this one. Like, when we were lining up guests, (laughs) I was like, this is Drew's book. (laughs) Because I I drew a whole, like, timeline graph of this thing several times, and I was like, this does not, no, god damn it, this is fucking bullshit. It's a kid's book for kids. Even the dino facts were kind of wrong. I mean, I love dinosaurs just so much. I am very drunk right now. (laughs) (laughs) The dream. The best life. This this is this is the dream. Yeah. Oh jeez. All right. Well, like do we have any closing thoughts on this that we really want to get into? Tobias is a goddamn murderer. Don't talk about my son that way. <laughs> he's he's a goddamn murderer. I, I don't know what to tell you. They're all murderers. They've all killed they somebody are. or something. Any other thoughts or feelings? They didn't have your favorite boys in it. No Paris or all of us. No. No Parasaurolophus. No Plesiosaur. Only Displesiosaur. <laughs> I'm very Displesiosaur with this bullshit. Alright, my battle morph is fucking a duck. I like ducks, alright? What? Your battle morph is a duck? At least be a goose, man. Yeah. Never, never pause this. Tell me why. Because, like, it's probably not going to be detected. Okay, no, that's a stealth morph. That's not a battle morph. Battle Morph is probably shit. So many good critters to choose from. Yep, like Dick Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I I got nothing. Like what is what is that dragon called? That's like Com- one of nine. Komodo dragon? dragon. Komodo. Yeah, Komodo dragon. That's, that's me. That's good. That's good. Beast. Sweet. That's a very good Battle Morph. Slightly venomous. They very good. Venom. They got venom. They got size. It's they got like ferocity. It's like the size of a lion. It's ridiculous it's poison that is a very very good they drool a lot it bites you they do like new long tongue it's like a medium-sized tongue decent tongue decent tongue. (laughs) (laughs) all right guess first drew where can we find you i'm on cadmus to crisis where we follow the uh 90s superboy on his adventures Hell yeah! And it's super fun. And I'm on That's some on episodes. That's on podcast, bitches. This is like the ultimate crossover. <laughs> yes. There's like, it's a, getting there. like a middleman here. At some point in the future, we're probably going to have the full Cadmus to Crisis team on here, but we won't tell you when or why. It'll be fine. Anyways, yeah. So Cadmus to Crisis, check it out. It's awesome. If you like Superboy or if you don't like Superboy, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I just posted... A great-looking uh, kimono dragon to the Andalite Bandalites group. Oh, I'm excited about this. I'm going to go like that picture. Speaking of Andalite Bandalites, you can find Casey and I at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com or on Facebook, where we are at Animorphs Anonymous, or Andalite Bandalites, our special secret group, which is at facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. We also have a Twitter at Animorphs Anon. We have an Instagram at Animorphs Anonymous. And uh, what else do we have? Uh, if you don't like your podcast service, you can find us at other podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Podbean, uh, Podcast Republic, uh, Stitcher, all that shit. Or you can Google us, Animorphs Anonymous. You'll find us somewhere and you'll love it because we're awesome and fuck. Thank you, Drew, for joining us here at Animorphs Anonymous. Yeah, thank you. We had a great old time. All right. Well, we will catch you all in two weeks.
on Animorphs Anonymous. Shit's gonna get real, probably. It will for Cassie's book. No, I cry. See you then. Bye!